Amen. How's everyone today? It's good to see you guys. I feel like I'm so far away from people today for some strange reason. It's like the first few rows are... Uh, let me ask you a question. If I was down here, if you're like near the back, would this be a distraction to you today? Does that bother you? I'm going to try it. Just bear with me for a second. I'm just going to take this down here. You've got to be real strong to lift this thing. <laughs> but I got it. I'm okay. <laughs> so, uh, it's good to see you guys. Um, we, uh, my wife and I, Kelly and I, have uh, sort of been MIA for a while. We've been missing because we were away uh, at a three-week training called Global Summer Intensive. And uh, it's really good to be back. God did some really awesome stuff in our lives during that time. Uh, we're excited to share with you. Um, it was down in Pennsylvania, and uh, it was really comprised of about 100 people in the class who were just hungry and going after more from God. Like, people, there's people in our world that want more from God, you know, that are not satisfied. They believe there is more, and they're going after it. And so, actually... 13 different nations were represented in that class, um, and the range, the range of age was from like 18 to the mid-80s. Um, it was just so, it was fascinating. It was just people from all over the world that were just wanting uh, to experience more of God, and uh, it, it wasn't, there was no requirement to have, you know, uh, clergy training or be a minister or have a title in front of your name. It was, the requirement was, you know, you, you get here. And uh, go after God. So there was a lot of people that were doing that. And it was truly inspiring. It was inspiring to me to see uh, how God is working in our world. And how he brought a group of 100 people who didn't know each other together. And uh, began to do awesome stuff in our midst. Um, it, was really, it was really to me almost like a church for three weeks for us. Because we built some amazing relationships uh, we wept on people's shoulders. People wept on our shoulders. We encouraged one another. Uh, we grew together. Um, we hit the streets of Pennsylvania together and, and brought the, the power of God, the presence of God, the love of God to the malls, to the streets, to the restaurants and everything in between. And we saw God do some amazing stuff. In fact, the cool thing was um, every day in the morning, the leader of the class, his name is Ben, gave opportunity for people to share testimonies of just what God was doing. And the class was really intensive. It's called Global Summer Intensive. It's really intensive because from 8.30 in the morning until uh, 4.30 or so in the evening, you're in class, and then a couple times a week you're going to do outreach after class ends. And it's long, it's tiring, but it was, it was very, very rich. Um, but in the mornings, this guy Ben gave opportunity for people to share what God's doing. And so there was outreaches that were scheduled, but people were just doing outreaches on their own. Um, in restaurants, people were praying for, one, pay, praying for people and, and all this stuff. And the people would line up to share testimonies. And he would have to cut them off because there was too many testimonies. Every single day, there was more testimonies than what, there was time, to, uh, time allotted to share these testimonies of people getting healed and, and uh, breakthroughs. Uh, happening in the city and, and all that stuff. It was so cool. So I was envisioning this and I felt like God was uh, giving me the picture of this microcosm of what the kingdom could look like in Syracuse, New York and at Faith Chapel. Um, people just passionate for Jesus. People leaving the church and, and leaving their home for the day and, and just going with the mindset like I've got something to give away. And God, who are you going to bring in my path that I could give it away to? Uh, people with the expectation that God has deposited something in me, and I know there's someone that I'm going to run into that needs it. And so I began to, I began to envision this in my mind, like, God, this is what you want to do. This is, it was sort of like God revealing some things to me as I was thinking about it. This is what you want to do in every church. This is what you want to do in every city. This is what you want to do in every area uh, where your presence is, is at. 
is people coming together. They're stirring each other up. Iron sharpens iron. Some people came in with baggage to this class, and, and, and you begin to see them getting free and then going out and, and making a difference in, their, in the community that they were at, at this class. And it was just awesome to see. Um, so I believe that God is doing something, and even if it just started in my wife. My wife's life and my life, and Cameron was at, also at the class. Lift that hand. Yeah, he was all stirred up and fired up. We had, th- we had a representative, three out of 100, and these people were from all over the world. So I think that's, that's pretty good representation. So anyway, what I want to talk to you today about is how God, how God is working in people's lives. Because um, there was a few people, I'll just mention their names that were in this class that I just saw, and it just so encouraged me. There's this young girl, her name was Sarah. She's 18 years old. She lived in Bahrain for the last seven years with her family. Uh, she's Amer- an American. She came to the States by herself to get trained so she can start, when she goes to school in England, a 24-hour uh, seven-day-a-week house of prayer. An 18-year-old. I mean, you're thinking, are you kidding me? The, if I had that kind of vision when I was that young, that would be amazing. I was, I was uh, inspired by that. There's another, another young lady. Her name is uh, Shelly. In her early 20s, she started this missions work. She lives in Chicago. She started this missions work in Ghana. And this missions work w- was uh, set up to, to minister to poor children and, and, and take care of the needs of children. And she established a school. This is like early 20s. And now she's in her mid to later 20s. She's a school teacher in Chicago, but she goes there three to four times a year. And I mean, the vision and the passion to say, you know what, I can make a difference inspired me. Um, there's this guy that came to our class from Switzerland. His name was Peter. And he had a very cool accent. And, uh, but his wife, he and his wife minister in the, the red light district of Zurich, Switzerland. And they go to the prostitutes and they're trying to, you know, free them from that, uh, free them from that trade. And some of them were, you know, uh, sex slaves and things like that. And they're just ministering to those ladies trying to help them. And, and it's so inspiring that, that everyone... Everyone there had the mindset like, I am called to minister. I am called to make a difference. God, what do you want me to do? And so that's what I want to talk to you today about, um, uh, being called to minister. What does that look like? And so I want to take you in the scriptures because if I, I wish I could, you know, grab a bottle of what was present there in the atmosphere, this hunger, this desire, this passion, this use me mindset, use me God mindset, and bring it back here. So this is what I'm going to talk about, the vision of that, what that could look like. Here it is. If you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, um, we'll start there very quickly. If you have a paper Bible, I always prefer those, although sometimes they're inconvenient. You can r- actually write in them. It's amazing. And so... Um, I'll call your attention to verse 11. We'll start there. It says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers um, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So here, Jesus gives these these people who are in what what is called offices uh, 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 to serve the body. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But what is the body to do? They are to be equipped for works of service. Your Bible may say, uh, be equipped to do the work of the ministry. This may, be, this may be a different paradigm or a different mindset for you because a lot of us, were, were, we grew up to think, well, if they're the professional minister, they're the ones who do the ministry. And here Paul is writing to the Ephesians, and he's saying, listen, no, it's the body that does the work of the ministry. The, the, the people who have a title in front of their name are to train the body to do the work of the ministry. So really, what, what I'm saying is this. You were created to minister. You were created to serve. All right? So I want you to say that for me. I was created to serve. Ready? I was created to serve. Okay. So, so we see in Ephesians, Paul's writing uh, to, to this church. But if you turn back one page to chapter 2, if you have a paper Bible, in chapter 2, verse 10, he says something very similar. Verse 10, it says this, For we are God's handiwork, or masterpiece. We are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see that? So this is the version. You go to like Home Depot or Lowe's and you see the, the good, better, best products. You ever see that? You could buy good paint or better paint or the best paint or, you know, shovels. The, the good shovel will last you like four hours of work. The better shovel will last you 10 and the best will last you a lifetime. You know, that kind of mindset. Well, this is God's version. If you, the previous verse, it said that we're called to do works. Now, in this verse, verse 10, it says that we're called to do good works. Now, in John chapter 4, or excuse me, John chapter 12, verse 14, this is the greater works. John 12, verse 14. And it says, if I can find it, oh, no, it's not. It's 14, 12. I've got it backwards. 14, 12. It says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things. Do you see that? Then these, because I am going to the Father. Who's they? Whoever believes in him. Does that mean you and me? Absolutely. So we could actually do greater works than Jesus? Well, we actually saw people do it. I mean, Paul, he, he prayed for a handkerchief. And they were taking this handkerchief to peop, various people who were sick or were demon-possessed. And it was the, the presence of God on that handkerchief was healing people. Peter, he's walking along the streets and his very shadow was healing people. We don't read that about Jesus. I mean, that's amazing. Jesus did amazing stuff, but they had to touch his cloak, right? They touched his cloak in order to be healed. So, so we begin to see that God has created us. And this is not the only reason we were created, but God has created us to to serve, to minister, to pour out what has been poured into us. Now we see also in John, in the book of John, uh, chapter 13, a prior chapter, a passage that we're going to sort of land on here. This this, This chapter sort of documents the last 24 hours or a period near the end of Jesus' life. And if you can imagine that time, Jesus knew what was coming. He spent some time trying to warn his disciples about what was coming. Um, and and the, the, the agony, the angst, the anxiety associated with that. I mean, he knew what was coming. And yet we see Jesus doing something amazing. It says in verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. What? Wait, so, so he knew some things, and as a result of it, he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist? After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. If you skip over to verse 12, so he washed his disciples' feet. It says in verse 12, where he had finished washing their feet, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place and said, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. Get ready. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. All right, so here, we're not going to have a foot washing ceremony. Just, I want to just get that off the table. You're thinking, okay, I've got to slip out of here real quick. I didn't wash my own feet. I don't want someone else washing them, right? <laughs> I've had some, some interesting experiences with foot washing. It's actually a good thing. It's, it's a very humbling experience. But Jesus, of all people, is washing his disciples' feet. And in that culture, in that day, um, there was always someone when you went to a house that would wash your feet, uh, whether it be a servant or the person that was sort of lowest in status. And Jesus, as he always does, flips the script, you know. He always sort of turns the culture upside down with, with uh, kingdom or heavenly perspective. And so he does this here. Uh, so they would come to a house and, and they were reclining at a table and, 
And while they're doing that, their feet were behind him and someone would, would wash their feet because they would wear sandals and their feet would get dirty and they'd step in stuff that, you know, needed to be washed off their feet. So no one was doing it. No one was doing it. So Jesus got up from the table and did it. So everyone thought that they were either equal or not the lowest. And Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who is and was and is forevermore, he is the one who gets up and begins to wash uh, his disciples' feet. And this tells me a couple things. First of all, it's not, to me, it's not about foot washing. I, I, I don't think that Jesus was trying to inaugurate another ritual. I think that it exists, and when you do it, it's good, but I don't think, you know, we, we should incorporate it in our monthly uh, events of the church. And here's why I think that. When you see communion, Jesus taught on communion. He had communion with his disciples, and then you see the early church doing communion together throughout the scriptures. You see baptism. Baptism takes place. Uh, Jesus got baptized himself. John was baptizing and then you see baptism through the scriptures. This is really the only time it's documented in the New Testament, to my knowledge, uh, foot washing. And so I believe that he was trying to say, I- I'm not trying to get you to do another ritual so much as to get you to understand that no one is too low for you to serve them. No, no one, you're not too high and no one is too low for you to meet the needs that are before you. And there was a need before them, Right? There was a need before them. It would have been horrible to try and eat a meal with stinky feet all around the table, right? Have you tried it? It's challenging. I've got a lot of boys in my house. So Jesus is like, okay, no one really views themselves as a servant. Let me teach them a lesson. So teaching moment, he gets up and takes care of business. And and that shows us that you're never too high to serve the lowest of low people. People could be in the pit of life, broken beyond belief. And I don't care what title, how much money you make, uh, what you own, who you are, who you think you are. They're not too low for you to serve them. I believe there's a great principle for us to grab hold of. Now, um, I could end the message right there and you guys would say great sermon and all that stuff. But that's not where I'm going today, okay? Uh, I mean, I think we all understand that we're called to serve. I think we all understand that, 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 uh, um, that there's goodness in serving other people, that there's a blessing for us, uh, that the Bible clearly teaches it. But, but there's something in this passage that caught my attention for a long time that I've never spoken about. And if you look back at verse 3, it's very powerful. I'll read it and then break it down a little bit. It says in verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. You probably read that many, many times. But to me, this passage says something very significant. It says to me that Jesus was very secure in who he was. Jesus was very secure in who God was in his life. He was very secure in God's love, very secure in his purpose for being on the earth. And because of that, That's why that transition is so abrupt. Jesus knew some things, so he got up from the meal. You see that? He knew some things, so he got up. And so what I'm saying to you today is there's some things that we need to know so that we could serve with the right heart heart, and, and the right attitude like Jesus did. Jesus knew there was no question. There was no doubt in his mind. There, he, was, he was confident in a few things. And what were they? Well, the first one is this. He was confident that the Father had put all things under his power. We know that the Bible, the Bible says that Jesus, he, he says, all authority has been given to me. So Jesus walked in authority. He walked in power. When he came into cities, into places, there was, there was people that had demons uh, um, on their lives or in their lives, and these demons began to manifest. Why? Because Jesus walked in authority. Jesus, Jesus uh, would speak a word and those people would be totally free. He, he not only had authority over demons, he had authority over sickness. People, he, he would say, get up and walk. Are you kidding me? Get up a, a few words and someone's, uh, all their lives they're paralyzed in a few words and this guy gets up and begins to walk? That's incredible. People who were, who were cast off because they were lepers, 
I mean, their, their skin became clean and they became integrated back into society. Jesus walked in authority and power in an amazing way. Jesus knew this. It, it says that Jesus knew that the Father had given him power or given uh, him everything related to power. I, I think this would be a good thing for us to grab hold of in our lives. When we talk about serving, when we, when we have the understanding that everything we need is accessible to us, that God's not holding back on us, right? God's not holding back on us. He's made things accessible to us. Um, Paul writes to the churches. He said, you've, you've, you've received every spiritual gift. You have accessed every spiritual gift. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Is he, is he saying go without my authority or is he saying go with my authority, right? He, he says in Mark chapter 16, these signs are going to follow them that believe in my name. What are you going to do? You're going to lay hands on sick people and they'll get well. You're, you're going uh, to cast out devils. You're going to raise the dead. Is he playing tricks on them? No, I, I believe that he's made this power available to the church. And so as we go to serve, our assignment is to reveal heaven. You see, God is madly in love with his children. Some of his children are astray right now. they've, They've gone off. They've wandered off. They haven't come home. And so he wants to reveal his love to people. And guess what? We get to be the channels or the vessels through which he reveals his love. And sometimes it's related to power. Whenever Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, it was always tied to power. Right? And so Jesus knew, before he got up from that table that day, he knew that the Father had given him everything he needed to accomplish the tasks that he would face that day. And and I believe that God is calling his church and us and me and you to a place where we get up in the morning and we know, God, I know that you are more than enough. I know that where I go, you will lead me. I know that the people I face and the situations I face, you are going to equip me to be successful and to reveal your love and power to lost and dying people. Amen? I, I believe he's, he's, he's trying to build our faith to the place. See, Jesus didn't get up from the meal until uh, this statement is made. Now, interestingly, it's not said anywhere else in the scriptures these things tied together. Jesus knew about the power, about where he was going and where he, was, where he came from. It's such a fascinating passage. So Jesus was confident. Now, in Acts 1.8, it says this about the church. He's speaking to the disciples, and he said something like this. Um, well, let me just read it. I think it's up there. <laughs> because I forgot. How. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Right? Jesus is speaking to the church. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So Jesus, if he's, if he's a, a speaker of truth, is saying that I want my people to have power. I want my people to be powerful and power-filled so that the, the, the needs that they meet uh, during the day, during the everyday aspects of their lives, they are able to take care of through my power. I want my people to be powerful. Now, when we think about our Father, He is one amazing, powerful God, right? Now, shouldn't our Father, uh, shouldn't the aspects or the characteristics of our Father be reflected in His sons and daughters, right? I mean, if you look at my sons or my daughter, you could look at them and say, man, you are your Father's kid, right? Right? You could look at them. I mean, we should reflect our father in some way and so we are carriers of power now let me just warn you that sometimes power can be abused or misused it's sort of like giving a bb gun to a 10 year old when i was 10 years old i saved my money and bought a bb gun and i was a pretty powerful dude at that time i i uh, i walked with a strut you know people didn't mess with me i shot at people I did. I shot at people. I shot at animals. They didn't, they didn't like me. But um, one time I stepped out the front door of my house. I lived in the city. And uh, I, I don't know how stupid I was, but I was pretty stupid. 
And I shot at the window of a car and thinking it would just reflect off. You know, I didn't think my BB gun was that powerful because it couldn't kill birds. It would just make them toss a few feathers and they flew away. So I'm thinking it will never break a window of a car. Well, it shattered. And I just slipped back in the door of my house. <laughs> no one knew nothing, right? An hour or so later, Mom, you're not hearing this. She's, I'm making a confession. So an hour or so later, a police car shows up and the person's given the report. I never, I never said a word. No one ever accused me or nothing. They thought some vandal drove by. They, the vandal didn't drive by. The vandal just pulled the trigger. See, see, when you have power, you can abuse it or not understand how to use it. And, and so Jesus was the perfect demonstration of love and power. He was, he was the perfect demonstration that, you know what, I am here to serve. It says the Son of Man came to serve and not be served, right? He could have abused his power. He could have been like, you know, bow down to me, I'm the king, you know. Why aren't you giving me honor? Well, you know, but he came and he demonstrated the heart of the Father in the, from the kingdom's perspective. He demonstrated that love and he came to serve. He, he came to reveal the Father. And the Father just is madly in love with people. The Father, the Father he wants it known that he's not mad. He's, he's good and he's good all the time. And so Jesus is that perfect reflection of that. So when we operate in the supernatural, we demonstrate the reality uh, uh, of the heavenlies, or we, we demonstrate that there's a greater reality. And this power is accessible to God's people. I just want you to know that. It's accessible to God's people. And if you feel like power is absent in your life, let's go after it. Come on, we, we have discipleship, we can train you, we can teach you, we're going to believe with you, and we're going to do trial by error, trial and error, you know, and you'll fail sometimes, you'll flop on your face, but you know what, you just keep going after it. You see the disciples in the learning process, Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration, he comes down, uh, and there's this, all this mayhem, and this guy's like, you know, my, my son's got, he, he's possessed by a demon, the uh, the demon throws him in the water, and he has convulsions and all this stuff. And your disciples couldn't heal him. What's going on? And Jesus is like, man, you guys, you have no faith. What's and he's just, come out of him. Just a few words, and the, guy, the kid's free. And the disciples are like, what, what, what? Why, why can't we set it? And he's like, well, you guys need to be people of prayer. You, know, you, you, need, to, you need to believe for greater things. You know? And so we see that it's a process, Right? You can't get frustrated because you're in the beginning of the process or in the middle of the process. you got to stick to the process. Amen? you just got to keep believing and going after what we see in the Word. So I want you to say something after me. This is what you're going to say. I have permission to be supernatural every day. Ready? I have permission to be supernatural every day. It looks differently all the time. You know, you may be praying for someone who's sick. You, you, something supernatural be, could mean that you're giving or you're serving or you're washing someone's feet in some, some kind of way, right? But that's the, it's the supernatural run. Jesus came to reveal the Father, the heart of the Father, and, and to care and love people and to bring heaven, the kingdom and the culture of heaven to earth. But it doesn't stop there. It says about Jesus in verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And, and I take the statement that he had come from God as meaning uh, something like this. Jesus was, was, part, was and is part of the Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? He existed. He's always existed. He knew what it was like in heaven in the place of perfection. He knew what a perfect relationship was. He knew what love was, right? That's, that's Jesus. So, so Jesus was in heaven. He came from heaven. He knew where he came from. And, and so how I take that to mean is that Jesus was very secure in the fact that God's love was stronger, stronger for him and in him than any force that he would be opposed by in life. Right? God's, God's love. He knew where he came from. He knew that the place of perfection, the place of love, the place that love built, 
He, he knew his God. He knew God and was in relationship with him. So he had supreme confidence in the Father's love for him. And I want to go as far as to say that this, sometimes we are hindered to serve others because we're not secure in that love. We have fear. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid that God's not going to show up when we ask him to show up. We're afraid that uh, we don't know what we're doing. Well, no one knows what they're doing, really. I mean, just come on. Let's be honest. But we're afraid. and, And we haven't found that perfect love yet. We need that breakthrough in our lives to have perfect love because in order for us to give love away, we've got to receive it first. Does this make sense to you? We've got to receive love first. And we've got to be, it's not just a one-time deal. It's not just a knowledge thing where, oh yeah, he loves you, you know. It's something that will transform our lives. And Jesus was ministering through that love. He was ministering with that mindset that, that uh, he could have supreme confidence in his father's love for him. Now, just, just let your mind wander for a moment. Can you imagine if Jesus was not secure in the father's love? Could you imagine if he doubted his father's love for him? That he was afraid, that he was afraid of him or that he, he felt like God the father was scowling at him all, all the time? How effective do you think his ministry would have been? How effective do you think he would have been to reveal the Father on earth? Probably not too effective, right? And so I believe that it's important for us to have the kind of encounters that transform our heart, that we know that we know that we know that God is good, that he's love, he loves us, that he, he has pleasure when he looks at us, that his smile, you know, he's smiling down upon us, that he's a good God, that he's not angry, right? We, we need to have that kind of encounter to transform our heart. And let me just say something about uh, fatherhood and motherhood from a natural perspective. Moms and dads, you guys play a major role in how kids look at the Father in heaven. Seriously. Seriously. You you play a major role. So you you need to be very careful how you parent because your kids need to see, uh, you need to be a reflection of your Father in heaven. And if you haven't encountered that love, it's very difficult so it's up to you as a parent to go after that love, to experience a breakthrough of that love, to be secure in that love, to secure, secure enough that you can do whatever you need to do to stoop low enough to love your kids the way they need to be loved. Um, it's very important. We deal with messes all the time because, and I, you know, I, I had to deal with some stuff internally myself because of uh, either absentee parents or, you know, uh, horrendous home lives. And things like that. And, and we can change that by experiencing God's love ourselves. Um, and I also want to say this, that, that God's love needs to be taken off trial. You see, some of us look at God as, you know, if I just do enough to get his approval, he'll love me. You, you don't read Jesus saying, Father, I did this, 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 and this. Now do you love me? Will you love me enough now? No. Jesus was confident in his father's love. In fact, uh, the day of his baptism, before his ministry ever started, the father affirmed his love for him by saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He never did one, he didn't do any ministry up until that point. So it wasn't a performance-based love, you see? And, And on the flip side, you know, we've got to take God off trial as it relates to, um, God not loving us because bad things happen to us, right? If we go through stuff, we lose our job, we get diagnosed with some sickness, um, a a loved one goes through some stuff, that is not a reflection of God's love, okay? So we can't can't put God on trial based upon what we go through. God's love is consistent. God's love is present. God is there. He's near to the brokenhearted. So when we're going through something, we need to tap into that love instead of start waving our fist at heaven. All right? God's love needs to be taken off trial. It is present. It's present. It's real. It was demonstrated on the cross while you were still a sinner. Right? He, he, He already demonstrated his love. I mean, what more could he do beyond sending his son? Right? I mean, that's amazing. He's a God of love, and he loves us. 
And so Jesus was secure enough in his father's love to not wave his fist at heaven, but, um, but to go to the place where he could go to the cross for others. And I want you to hear me now. The others part is significant. Being secure in God's love takes our focus off of us and causes us to see others through God's eyes. So God, God, uh, Jesus on the cross didn't say, Father, look what you did to me. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You see that? that that's very important. See, our eyes get off of ourselves, and we begin to look at others. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. See, his eyes were on the world based upon love. Now, um, if you've been here at all over the last year, couple of years, You've heard my story of what I went through um, and had to deal with through fatherlessness and stuff like that. Um, I'll tell you this. The interesting thing as I look back on it was that it didn't affect my teen years. But when I became a young man, I began to realize how much I missed not having a father in the home. And I, I began to see some patterns in my life as I grew a little bit older. Like I was always seeking for approval from people. I, I felt rejection like it was my fault my dad wasn't all that in my life, you know. Um, I, I felt inadequate in many, many aspects of life and to the point where um, I, I felt unimportant, like I didn't matter, you know. Um, but I also, I also told the story of years ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago, I was at a conference and I experienced a major breakthrough in that area. There was a guy named Jack Frost and he... He would travel around the world teaching about the Father's love. Um, just amazing ministry. And I had this amazing breakthrough um, at, at the conference one night. And I went to the altar just so broken. And, and I just became a puddle because I realized, you know what? God is the one I need. And he can fill in every area that I'm lacking. And he, he can heal every area that I'm broken in in my life. And, and so I, I received a major healing in my heart that day. Um, well, interestingly enough, when we were at this, this uh, global summer intensive in June in Pennsylvania, Jack's wife came and taught for a day and a half. Now, Jack had passed away maybe seven years ago or so. And, and I told my wife, and she's teaching on the same topic. That's like her, now she took over the ministry. I told my wife, I, I might be in trouble. I, I, might, I might be a mess. Um, and interestingly, as she taught, she was there for a day and a half, and she did a great job. Um, nothing happened for me. And I began to realize, you know what? I'm a lot more healed than I thought I was. See, God, are, uh, he already healed those wounds. He already took care of those scars in my heart. And, and, you know, those feelings or need for affirmation or acceptance or approval, they're all gone. So I don't care what you think anymore, all right? But, but God, I'm telling you, healing is a process in our hearts. Jesus knew perfect love. And, I, and I'm telling you, listen, if you haven't had a God, an encounter with God's love, and, and there's something there in your heart that makes you go after something um, for approval, acceptance, uh, affirmation, love, you feel like there's something missing, go ask God, ask God, God, would you reveal your love to me? Do you think he, he the Bible says that he, he gives good gifts to his children. I would call that a gift, his love, right? If you ask him uh, for a piece of bread, you think he's going to give you a stone, um, Jesus said in Luke? No, he delights in good, giving good gifts to his children, and he delights in revealing himself to you. And, and so if you struggle with ministering or serving people because of, of a lack of love, you, you can access that. Even as I speak right now, God's not withholding from you, all right? So, so he has power for your life. We can live supernaturally every single day. He has love for your life. In fact, you have permission to receive God's love and to love the person next to you, as hard as that may be. You have permission to receive God's love and to love the person you run into as you go about life. It'll change your world. It'll change their world as well. Here's the last part, uh, what I see in this passage of John 13, 3. 
It says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. And we know that alludes to the cross. I mean, it was literally within 24 hours of, of, of this uh, event of foot washing that he was going to go to the cross. But I also see that as um, the cross was like one of the main purposes Jesus came, right? He says, he says, I have come to destroy the works of the devil. We know that he couldn't destroy, fully destroy the works of the devil unless he went to the cross. He, he came to restore relationship between God and man that was fractured in the garden. He, he couldn't do that apart from going to the cross. So, so the cross to me speaks of his specific purpose. He came to go to the cross. Uh, the Son of Man came to destroy the devil's work. It says of Jeremiah, see, we're, we all have purpose. This is what it, we, we read in Jeremiah 1.8. It says this, that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. We know that Moses was called to be a deliverer for God's people, right? But what about you? You think there's purpose on your life? You think God has a plan for your life? I do. And in the meantime, while you're figuring that out, your purpose is to serve people. Your purpose is to minister to people, right? Your purpose is to be in right relationship with God because God has a great plan for your life. I'm going to close with just a couple thoughts. But here, here's your purpose, to reveal heaven. Jesus said in a prayer, you know, pray this way. Um, Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is his will going to be done on earth as it is in heaven? I came across a passage yesterday that just made me laugh. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 8 and 10, um, God is speaking to Moses. He had just appeared to him in the burning bush, and, and Moses had approached the burning bush, and God says, take off your, your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. And God begins to describe to Moses what this whole event is about. And he says something like this, I have, I've heard the cry of my people. I've seen the oppression of my people. And I have come down to deliver them. And, and so that's very straightforward. But two verses later, he says, now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. I have come to deliver them. Now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Exodus 3, verses 8 and 10. And what I want you to see out of this passage, it just made me laugh because if I, I envision Moses as like, what, you've come down and you're sending me? What are you talking about? Are you going to do it or am I going to do it? What, what's the problem here? Why don't you do it? You'll do a lot better job. No, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. In essence, God is saying this. Everything I do on the earth, I'm going to do through my people. I'm going to do through my people. So I want them to have my power. I want them to encounter my love. And I want them to know they have purpose and destiny on their lives. And, and God will go out of his way to make sure people understand that. Um, two very quick stories that came out of our, our time when we were in Pennsylvania in June. We, one of the ministries, every Tuesday and Thursday, we had to do some outreaches in the afternoon. And so... Kelly and I preferred to go, this one lady said, I want you to just go out and live life. If you got to go to the store, grocery store to get groceries, go get groceries. And, and just know that God's going to bring you into someone's path. And he's going to use you to touch their lives. If you got to go shopping at the mall, go shopping at the mall. So uh, the, one of the guys in the group that I was with, he had to go to Macy's to buy some cologne. So we're like, okay, well, God, we're, we're expecting you to use us. We're expecting you to bring us in the path of some people that, that need um, to sense your love and your presence and to know that you're madly in love with them. And so um, he's buying cologne from this lady at Macy's, and, and we just begin to minister to this young girl. She's probably 20-ish. I mean, she's crying while she's working. It's just powerful. She's getting married, and we just began to speak God's word over her and, God, and some things that God was revealing. It was just so powerful. So we go out into the mall area, and I end up in this place called Buckle, which is a, a you know, just a, a store, clothing store, a very cool place. I had never seen one because we don't have a Buckle store up in this area. Um, and I was just checking out. I'm like, oh, this is really, really nice. And as I was leaving, one of the salespersons came to me and he said, hey, can I help you guys with anything? And um, I said, uh, no, we're just checking this place out. We don't have these. I'm from Syracuse, New York. 
And he's like, oh, you don't have them up there? And so we talked a little bit. But as he was approaching me, God showed me a picture um, just in my mind's eye or in my spirit uh, about this kid. And, and the picture was this. I saw him with a mic in his hand. And he was standing on a stage, and there was a large crowd, and he had a great deal of influence. That's all I could get out of this picture, right? And so um, I said this, I told the, the guy, I'm like, this may sound really weird, but I believe God speaks, and I believe he spoke to me uh, uh, about you, and I want to share that with you. Is that okay? He's like, sure. He's, I said, I saw you with a, a mic in your hand, and you were in front of a lot of people, and you had a great deal of influence. That's all I said. That's all I saw. And he, he, he grabbed his heart like this. He's like, oh, my goodness. And he starts flipping out. Like, and I'm just like, what is happening here? Should I leave or something? And he's holding his stomach. He's like, I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get sick, but in a good way. I'm like, I don't know how you get sick in a good way, but this is. And, and he's like, you have no. Did my brother send you in here to do this to me? I said, no, uh, I don't think so. He thought he was getting pranked or something. He, he uh, apparently had, he told me a story. He said, I've been sort of really under a lot of stress because I, I didn't know or I've been weighing between going, continuing with this company, which I hate to work at, and moving to Philadelphia or going to L.A. And I've been trained in the performing arts and, uh, and, and in comedy. And I really want to go to L.A., but I, I, I've been struggling with this decision. And I said, man, well, wouldn't it be really weird for God to send someone all the way from Syracuse to New York Syracuse, New York, to tell you how much he loves you and that he cares about your future. And he's like, I've been away from God. I've been away. I've got to get back in relationship with God. I've got to reconnect with God. And he was just like so overwhelmed. He's like, my brother didn't send you here? I'm like, no, dude, my bro- your brother didn't send me here. Your father did. And just a few minutes prior to that exchange in Buckle, there was... You know how they have those little sales areas out in the, in the hallways and people sell sunglasses and people try and uh, pull your uh, eyebrow hair and, and all that stuff, you know? Um, or makeup or whatever. I was talking to this girl and she had known, she goes to the same gym as the guy that I was with who was from that area, Pennsylvania. And uh, she was talking to him, but as they were talking, conversing, I was just saying, God, you know, did you send me to talk to her? And she was pretty joyous. She had a great smile on her face, you know. And, but she was telling him, uh, because he asked her something about church or God or Jesus or something. She's like, I'm an atheist. My parents were Buddhists. I'm just not interested in God. I don't believe he's real. This, you know, going, talking about that stuff. She wasn't mean about it. She was very nice. She had a smile on her face. She was joking around, all this stuff. But God told me, you know what? She's hiding behind the mask of that joy and of that smile because she has a deep hurt. And I'm like, I don't know how to say this to her. And so I just said, listen, you know, I know you don't believe God is real, but can I say something to you that I think he revealed to me? I said, just what I told you, just what I just said, you know, um, I believe that, you know, you've got a mask. You're hiding behind the mask of joy because, but there's deep hurt in your heart. And she said, you're good. I said, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I just kidding. I don't, I'm not really a cocky person. I just... But I just said, you know what? God is madly in love with you, and he cares an awful lot about you. And he can heal your heart. I left with her saying, I don't believe in God. And I said, well, he believes in you, you know. And, and the key thing is, listen, we can live every day supernaturally. I'm not, I'm not a great person because I heard from God or someone was touched from God. This is something that every person can do. Are you hearing me? We were made to serve. And because we were made to serve... And we just make ourselves, we avail ourselves to God. We make ourselves available to him. God, I know you're going to bring me into the path of some people that need to be encouraged, um, that may need something, some of your supernatural power, that may need your love, that may need somehow me serving them. Uh, You know, Jesus got up and washed feet. I mean, it could be super practical, super practical, or it could be amazingly supernatural. And, And you can't say, okay, I'm the practical type. I'm not the supernatural type. Listen. We can be supernatural every day, but we are all called to serve. And here's the deal. Jesus, this is in the passage for a very specific reason. Jesus knew that that his father had given him power 
Jesus knew where he was going, which, again, um, I attribute to him going back to being embraced by the Father's love and where he had come from. Purpose. I think I've got those mixed up. But nevertheless, listen, if there's anything lacking in your life, those are the things you have to get to be fully effective to serve the world around you. I believe, I believe if Jesus needed those things, and if he didn't need those, it wouldn't be said about him. If Jesus needed those things, how much more do we? Maybe you need to feel the Father's embrace today. Maybe you're like, you know what, I, this power thing, I've heard a lot about it. I've never experienced it. Listen, God, God is willing to give you what you need to be effective in your world, in your day-to-day world. And listen, your purpose When you discover your purpose, you're able to call other people into theirs. Amen? Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. If you need ministry because you feel like you lack any of these, listen, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, There's no shame in in any of this. Listen, I've lacked all of them. I'm still going after all of them. I need a lot of help. But God still chooses to use people like me, and he chooses to use people like you. Amen? Let's, Let's pray together. Father, you're so good. You're good all the time, and we love you. We give you praise today, God. And, Father, I know there's a great deal of need in this room. Lord, I know, Father, that you've called each and every person to serve, serve powerfully, serve lovingly, Father God, and serve purposefully. And so, God, I pray, Father, that you draw people closer, Lord, that they press into you to say, God, there is more that you have, and I need it, God. I want to be all that you've called me to be. And so I ask that you use me. I ask that you fill me. I ask that I encounter you, Father. I ask, Lord God, right now, Father, in, uh, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, that you fill your people with your love. God, that they walk in the embrace of God's love. Father, uh, under the, they, they live their lives under the smile of heaven, Lord God, under the goodness of heaven. And Father, I thank you, Lord God. Father, I ask God that there, there be dreams, Lord God, and revelation as they read the scriptures, as they, as they spend time with you personally, God that you pour into them everything that they need, that there be lacking nothing to be all you called them to be in this world, Father, in their day-to-day lives, in their homes, in their workplaces, in their uh, schools, Lord God, and as they go about life, God. Bless them, fill them, and use them, God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you. We love you so much.